Hi, and welcome to the Voice of 5G podcast. It's a podcast from Ericsson with me, Paul Cowling. And me, Janina Townend. Hi, Paul. Good you, Nina. Hi. Straight from the office. Straight from the office. It's fr- it's a Friday. It's Friday. I'm not straight out of the podcast. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but they don't know which Friday it is. And it's always Friday somewhere. No. <laughs> it's it's good weather here in 2019. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yes. Ah, yes. We're keeping it fluent here, right? We don't know where we are. We don't know where you are. We don't know when we are, right? Interesting. What are we going to talk about today? It's it's a very existential podcast today. It is. Yeah. But with a very hardware focus on our content, very down to earth. It's very what you can feel and what you can see, right? Well, kind of. It's it's Mm -hmm. kind of classic Scandinavian topic today. We're talking good design. Yeah. And outside of Sweden, and and if if you say Scandinavia or other things, design. And that's what we're going to talk about. This is a topic for our 5G podcast, design. So, <laughs> yeah, it turns out this is a nerdy, very interesting topic for, for us who is looking up antennas, Paul, seeing possibly 5G equipment out there, popping up here and there. And we had a lot of questions about, well, how can you see what, what hardware it is and how can you see if it's Ericsson or not, and so on, to our design team, who we met at the Christmas party. <laughs> That's how podcasts happen. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing stuff, right? Before we hop into talking about the radio design, we, we have a long tradition in design, you know. If we go back to the good old days when uh, telephones had cables attached and uh, you had big dials that you do, there was a very famous Ericsson telephone called the Cobra oh, yeah. phone. Oh, I love that phone. Yeah, and you can still buy those in there if you if you shop around in like vintage shops and things. Mm. So, so kind of all in one handset with a head that comes up a little bit like a cobra, that's uh, like a snake that's rising out of the out of the baskets kind of thing. Yeah, and this was at the time when you had like the telephone, the mic, and the headphone in one piece, and the, then you had like the numbers in another piece. So this was quite revolutionary and. I remember that it was such a cool feature. My neighbors had it, a red one. And when you put it down, you also hung up. Yeah. Because it was like a button at the bottom of the phone. So you just put it down and it, yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff. So Ericsson's design department is joining us later. We wanted to talk a little bit about the red dot versus the dot. It might be a little bit confusing, right? In the interview, we talk about the Red Dot Award mm. and we talk about the Ericsson Dot, or I should probably call the Ericsson Radio Dot System. Yes. And of course, the, the Red Dot Award is a prestigious design award that's been given out since, what do we say, 1992, I think we said was the first time the Red Dot Award was given. And it's given for industrial design 
across quite a broad range of categories. I've seen things like like camping equipment, which have been given the Red Dot Award. But we have quite a good tradition, of the, and the people we're going to talk to, of course, are the people that, that are actually winning the award for their designs. Over the last decade or so, for things like the Ericsson Radio System, which is basically all of the radio equipment which we ship for operators to build 5G systems with, but also for parts of the system for things like the radio dot system. The radio dot system is, if you, if you think about when you're going around with your telephone, your mobile phone, and you're connected to the antenna masts on the buildings around you, then when you go inside, then the signal is kind of sh- shielded by the building inside. So you get poor reception inside than you can get outside. And to be able to get like the very best performance indoors, you can put in an indoor system. And there are different ways you can do that. But the system that we use is what we call the radio dot system. And it's called the radio dot system because the little active antenna pieces, which give you the signal, which you mount in the, normally in the roof or on the ceiling in the office or in a hotel or lobby or in a shopping center or in an airport building or wherever it is that you need better reception. It's a little like a puck. Puck size or something? They vary in size a little bit depending on how many frequency bands it is and which frequency bands they are. So they go from maybe like 120 millimeters to maybe 150 millimeters across. I'm kind of guessing there. It's an interesting thing when you go around, and I mentioned this in the interview, when you go around the town, it's very easy to not see the things that are there in terms of physical infrastructure. And it's the same thing if you're indoors in an office or something. If you actually look at the ceilings, it's full of bits and pieces. They're like spray heads for the fire system, fire, uh, yeah. uh, little mm-hmm. Wi-Fi hubs. So all sorts of things that get put up on the ceiling. And, th- and this is another one of those things which you put in the ceiling in the office. I would say that it looks very much like the fire alarm you have at home, right? It does. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and the simple ones are about, are about that size. Mm. Only you can see the Ericsson logo on it <laughs> if you look closely. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. An operator can put it into a building or a building owner can install it. And then you can run it with different operators connected to the system. So you don't have to have a separate system for every operator that goes into the building. Or you can run it for private networks. We use the same thing in our private network offerings so that you can uh, know if you're a factory and you want a a radio network in a factory, you can install radio dots into the factory and get fantastic 5G coverage and performance in the factory. We might need to do an update on indoor coverage coming up soon, but let's dive into that later on. Now we're going into just the surface of the product, (laughs) what they look and what they feel like. And this might be a little bit of an episode that's for a, perhaps a more limited or nerdy Tari group, <laughs> just so you know out there. <laughs> a lot of design is about meeting the challenges of the environment and the needs of the people that use it. And we'll hear mm. more about what we made by a user in the interview. Yeah. So I think it's how you make something that works for different interest groups mm. and still performs well as a product. That's an interesting challenge. Yeah, we talk about all aspects of 5G on this podcast. This is just another aspect of 5G. Industrial design with our design and user experience team, Andrea Sefström and Morten Skoger on the podcast. Now. So, 
Well, today on the Voice of 5D, we have a very interesting topic. Paul, I know this is your, one of your favorite topics. So would you like to introduce it, perhaps? Yeah, I thought today we would talk about 5G. <laughs> oh, dodging, dodging the bullet there. More specifically, we're going to talk about design and 5G. Yeah, and this is something that we brought up quite early in the podcast that Paul goes around the town and like looks out for 5G stuff. Right? Yeah. Not I wouldn't say I spend a lot of time doing it, but it's like, oh look over there, there's a mass with some five G equipment on it. But yeah. uh, of course the the thing about things that stand around the town is that maybe you don't actually want people to notice. Maybe they want to blend into the environment so that we shouldn't be yeah. uh, shouldn't be noticing those things. How do we how do yeah. we make good design? What what constitutes good design and five G in the physical world? That is what we're gonna talk about today, and that's why we have the experts of the area here. Andreas Sjöström. Hello, Andreas. Hello, hello. Hello. You are the head of design and user experience for Ericsson's network product, both yes. software and hardware. And you run a team that you brought us in when we started talking about how many awards the Ericsson Radio Dot had gotten recently at our Christmas party, Andreas. Can you introduce yourself and your team? <laughs> yeah, I will try to. So I'm Andreas Elvström, as said, and I'm heading the design team of Networks. And we are 45 human-centered designers. We are industrial designers, UX designers, and service designers in the team. And we have four sub-teams containing these different Types of designers, you could say. Wow, so quite a large team working with Ericsson's design. And you have one of your top designers, I assume, Morten Skoger here. You have a team of people. You're the design manager for a team of people specializing in the macro hardware products. And in, is it indoor as well? Hello, Morten, and would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, Morten Skoger. I'm one of the managers in the DUX department, design and user experience. My team work mostly with the macro hardware products, industrial design, and also the dots, indoor products. We have another team working with mostly the street products also, which we can talk about a little bit in this pod as well. Yeah. So, Andreas, your background, 45 people, that's quite a lot. Has uh, this team been going for a long time? Has it changed during the years? It definitely has. I mean, I started at Ericsson, f I think, 11 years ago, and I was the third or fourth designer in the team then. Of course, Ericsson had a lot of designers, industrial designers and so on, when we did mobile phones and consumer equipment. Then we used a lot of industrial designers. But on the business to business side of things. We didn't have any design department before that, so to speak. We used consultants from time to time and we realized, or Ericsson realized that, okay, to get some kind of continuity in this area, we needed to have the competence in the company, so to speak. And that was when they started to recruit industrial designers. And so, 10 years ago, we were four, and now we are 45. So it has happened a lot, for sure. But we have also expanded, as we mentioned, from only industrial design on the hardware to also work on a lot of software things within networks. Yeah, so user interface 
design. Yeah. Yeah? Yes. Okay. So tell us a little bit like the background and what do you do on a day-to-day basis as a, an industrial designer? Morten, I think that's one, that one is for you. We do early studies trying to understand our users. We have a lot of users and stakeholders for our products. We have, of course, the, the paying customer. But our main user as industrial designers are actually the installer and the rigging crew. Oh. We are sort of looking out for them to make light, safe, easy to install products. So the tower climbers, those kind of people. Yeah, yeah right. Because they are out there in harsh conditions handling our products and trying to get them quickly and safely installed. Yeah. So we need to make sure that they, the products are ergonomic and easy to understand. And also that all products from Ericsson can be sort of recognized as part of a system. Yeah. So a lot of our work is also sort of aligning the full portfolio, even though there's like an antenna, radio, baseband, very different products. They need to be... Yeah, you need to feel that they come from Ericsson and you can get acquainted with how to handle them, so to speak. And do you see that different? I mean, what, yeah. what do you, when do you go out there and see Ericsson's hardware on antennas or masts or a building? You can see that straight away that, oh, that's 4426. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, when well, you've been working with this for a while, you can see, actually spot what is an Ericsson product or not. But uh, my co-worker, Christian Elnegård, put this uh, best, actually. How, how to know that this is an Ericsson product you're looking at is by, you check your phone. If there's good coverage, it's an Ericsson. <laughs> so, I mean, it's basically, it's really hard to, to spot because it's a white box on a rooftop. Yeah. And, but there are small, small things that you can uh, see yeah. if you're, you know what to look for. Yeah. You can definitely see if it's a 5G product or not. That's quite easy. Often. How? Well, the 5G, especially the mid-band products, you can see that they are a bit wide and short compared to the old antennas on rooftops. They are more square, flat boxes. And that's due to the massive MIMO antenna configuration. You need to be a little bit wider and shorter to get this antenna in there. So those are the active antennas we can now see Strictly you out. could use massive MIMO for 4G, but uh, most massive MIMO is using big use for 5G. Right, yeah. And then also on the new type of sites rolling out with 5G with street, the millimeter wave products that we haven't seen before in, in the industry. Mm-hmm. When, how from a distance they look like gray boxes in, in an antenna there? And- how far do you have to go with the Ericsson equipment? You are the expert here. Oh, <laughs> it depends a little bit on the product. But I mean, it's also about we're trying actually to make them invisible uh-huh. in a way. So you shouldn't really spot them. It's sort of a paradox being an industrial designer working with form and design and making products that should be invisible. But that's really yeah. the one of the purposes what, of, of what we're doing. We don't want to clutter the world with our installations. We want to make some yeah, calm, clean appearances. We're not always succeeding. I'm willing to admit that, but we're trying, especially in, in a sort of sensitive city environments. We try to be quite discreet with our appearance. But you kind of have people on your side because when you walk around in the city, there's all sorts of street 
furniture there that people walk past and don't notice. There are like great, great big cabinets yep. that have electronics for, for traffic lights. Uh, in Stockholm, at least, they have, they have like big boxes on posts, which they use for putting newspapers in for, for delivering. And people just walk past them and don't know they're there. Mm. So, you know, a little antenna on a, on a street lamppost is actually fairly invisible for most people. Yeah, it is. You need to be kind of a nerd to spot them, I think. But Did he just call you a nerd, Paul? <laughs> I called myself a nerd, I think. But, but I mean, sometimes, quite often, actually, it's not just one small box on a pole. It's three boxes and a lot of cables mm. in between. And we can see a lot of public opinions about this because the public is also one of our target groups when we make our products. Yeah, and I, I think that to, to come back again to what the designer do and how we work and so on, you could say that we always start with the user, right? And as Morten said before, we have many different users and they have different views on what we do, right? It could be everything from installers to the public to other service staff or purchasers by the operator and so on. Mm. So when they're looking at the product close up, does it need to be in a special style or get the special feel? This is what I mean. Like our products, you need to think about the design of the project differently depending on where you have it. Because up on the rooftop, it maybe should be invisible almost. That's what we want, right? We want just want to create really good coverage in the city. But on Mobile World Congress, for example, then you look at the products very closely. You want to show them to people and so on. And then the detailing is quite important. Mm. And then you need to recognize it's an Ericsson product and so on, which you do when you see, see them very that close up. up. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it depends on the viewpoint, the vantage point, because as Andrea says, when you look at it close, it needs to convey the values that Ericsson stands for. Like it needs to be all this amazing technology that we put into products needs to be expressed also in, in the appearance. It needs to be in line. So if we want to be a technology leader and have splendid technology in our products it needs to show in the detailing how we do the products and also the users the rigging crews they need to be able to feel that they can trust our products that they don't break when they handle them and so on so there's many different sort of aspects of how you look at the product yeah it's nice if the installers when they go out they feel good about the products that they're screwing up into the Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, to define even more maybe what a designer do, and that goes both for UX and industrial design and, I mean, both for software and hardware, it's that we always have the user perspective. We always want to understand all these different users that we have, right? These different aspects. And we want to really do research and understand what are the pain points, what are the problems. It's not only about looks and feel, it's a lot about usability and how you how yeah. easy you work with the stuff we do. Mm. And that is where we start. And then we ideate, prototype, and then we t- try to test these things with our users again and do this in a loop so we, we really get to to good solutions for our users. And I mean, Ericsson is great at technology, right? That's a given. And we are good at doing business, but the human perspective is super important to add on to that, to create really good solutions. 
And that's what we we are trying to add with our competence to to Ericsson. Uh, and of course, you're trying to balance many different types of requirements for how it should look, how easy is it to install, but there are also functional things like how do you do the thermal design so that it runs at a, a temperature and is reliable without having to have fans and that kind of thing. So. Yeah, absolutely. We can never compromise on performance on these things. Then we can always question, is this performance needed in this specific case? Or are we over-specifying? Do we need 200 watts? Like This is always a conversation between us and the product managers. Do you really need this big heatsink power in the use case? Because it's going to be heavier and it's going to be more material and sort of more carbon footprint. So we always strive to make our products as light and small yeah. as possible. Have you seen a lot of change when it comes to designing for low carbon footprint? Yeah, there is a lot of attention on it and a very ambitious goals to reach. So we have a lot of focus on that, actually. We are turning sort of every stone and rethinking everything, how things are done, how you build the products, how you put them together, how you distribute them and manufacture them all the way from the raw material to the end of life or end of life. It's not yeah how you recycle it back into the system. Yeah. Right? And of course, we as the human center designers, we are not alone in creating these products. There's so many other skill sets needed, engineers of different kinds and so on. And we are collaborating together with them to, to do this. And we definitely yeah. see a much bigger focus on the sustainability area or the circular economy area, if you wish. Mm. So, so we, we see that these type of questions are becoming more and more important and more and more people within the company are also addressing this and want to work with it. And Yeah, sustainability is not just a little team, a little <laughs> group of people in the company. It affects all, everyone working with different parts of products and services and the marketing and everyone yeah, definitely. nowadays. Yeah, it's very complex. So that's needed. Yeah. Uh, so which things do you think are the, the top things that you should look out for if you're thinking, oh, is this an Ericsson product? Like, is it, can you see that, it, okay, if it shows quality, is there a special look or form or color or is it is it, it seem, just the logo like <laughs> it seems like you are asking for the recipe, the recipe. or, or yeah. like what values do we want to bring into our products and what values do we want to show by the design mm -hmm. of our products yeah more or less Th that's what you're asking about right mm -hmm. and that's uh, of course a very big trade secret but there is one one tell if you are really sort of looking and that's the color it's unique ah. so but but it's like several shades of gray yes. but we have yeah. a certain gray there is a certain gray so we okay. have a 10 percent two percent blue Two, 10 percent black two percent blue i would say so it's a slight gray with a bluish yeah. tone okay that's sort of a signum for our products. Okay. And can you see that? Like when you see, oh, that, that, that's, wait a minute, that's 30%. <laughs> you can see it when you can, yeah. if you see our product next to another product, yeah. you can see the difference. Oh. But if you see 
only are products on a mast, you can't really it's see really, this. Yeah. Then it's very difficult unless you have some super color measuring so in your cool. eyes. I don't know. It's really difficult. But I mean, another tell, if you look at our products up close, is we have a bit of a sort of saying that we don't do pretty. Okay. We don't do decorations, patterns, or, or like things just to make it look pretty. Yeah. We are quite functionalistic in our way of doing Actually, things. Actually, that's, often... that's the first thing I thought when I saw, I think it, it was a couple of years ago, but an Air product, and it had some sort of pattern on the edges. And I was like, are they trying some sort of new decoration here? <laughs> yeah, it's to break up the wind. Oh, yeah, I know. You know? Okay, On I know what side. you mean now. Yeah. It looks like a pattern those are, those are, Yeah, those are vortex generators, yeah. they're called. They're right. quite clever device. They can reduce wind load with, I think, up to 20%. And that's really something because wind load is, is a sort of a force that puts stress on the tower or yeah. the rooftop. And if you can reduce the, the wind load, it's the same as reducing the weight. And then you can reduce the, the civil engineering material and the sort of structural part of the tower. And then you can reduce material and get sustainability. So it comes down to that also. You might think they are decorations, but they're certainly not. Uh, they are. It's, it's a little bit yeah. like in the, if, you, if you go out in the world and you see like factory chimneys, they quite often have like a spiral that goes around them in, in like a metal fin that goes around. Yeah, yeah, that's the same principle. Similar, similar thing, yeah. I think this idea came from aviation industry. You can see these vortex generators on sports airplane wings to create some sort of turbulence to, to reduce drag. I think that's where the engineers got that idea from. Very cool. And my second question here is, which products do you think are the prettiest one? Uh, I, I mean, in the telecom <laughs> sphere. It's, it's a tough question because now, now you are addressing a topic that we try to avoid all the time. Because in our DNA as human-centered designers, we are built on usability and user-centricity. Yeah. And of course, one part of that is to bring in the right values to a product so the user will like the product. But pretty is not a value, right? But it don't could you think be. pretty can be in the head? It can be like, oh, this was pretty because it's so well done. And yeah, it's yeah, so exactly. like, right? Oh, this was a great design. <laughs> Right. So now, now we're talking about we're talking more about the values, right? So, uh, what is great design in a public sp space? There's certainly an aesthetic in terms of uh, does the design pass in? Does it look suitable and appropriate? And are people happy to see that in their space? Yeah, sure. Now I'm just going to mention that, like in in the most sort of sensitive environments, like indoors and in a city center, maybe a town traditional environment we also quite often hide our products in sort of casings that mimics oh, the background yeah. and so on and they're painted and in other ways camouflaged but we don't do those ourselves really the, the the casings we we can make examples and and reference models for the third party vendors that make these casings just to show how they should think about thermal and the connectivity and not obstructing the mm. radio waves and so on. And that can be as simple as, as having like a plastic sheet in front of it or like uh, just tape 
Yeah, having a plastic sheet in front of the millimeter wave products is definitely a no-no <gasps> to just do. Okay. We have, I mean, having the millimeter wave just coming out of the box is a <laughs> challenge. And then putting something in front of it would just ruin everything if you don't do it properly. Yeah. There are certain materials you can use, but you can't just use anything. Like yeah, paint? But can you, because, can yeah, you paint millimeter them? waves, are, they're, they're really sensitive, yeah. as you know. Yeah. You, they, don't have, they don't reach very far and they're quite weak. A single, so. But there are plenty of interesting examples of how these third-party companies do this kind of casings you have like fake trees you have fake chimneys you have stuff like that that are built on houses or as a tree and hide our equipment in it but they do it of course so the the performance is the same but still so there is plenty of examples like that yeah but those type of things do you think those are are pretty or do you think those are just ah They're obscuring the awesome style of this product. <laughs> no, but, but in those cases, I mean, it, they are doing it for a reason. They are doing it because the environment are sensitive, like an old town or something, or yeah, mm. for some other reason, the environment are sensitive <laughs> for cluttering with <laughs> modern equipment, right? So that's why they do it. That's another use case for us, you could say. So we need to, when we design our equipment, we need to know that that will happen. So we will enable that that is possible, but we don't do it ourselves. Uh, I mean, one of the things I think I have seen your answer in Stockholm is quite common on the, they have like four or five story buildings and they have metal roofs, which are often painted black. And I have seen there where like radio equipment on the roof has, has, has been presumably painted black with some form of uh, yeah. suitable paint. Uh, that's, that's, you see that very often, actually. Mm. So don't just go for the color if you're looking for... To rephrase Janina's question then, instead, if we don't ask about which you think is the prettiest products, which of the designs you know, in the portfolio are you happiest with or, or do you like the most? That's, that's a good question, I think. One thing, one task that we have as well is to create a portfolio that you recognize right yep. that you see that all of the products are ericsson products and that could be everything from a from a dot that is a small <laughs> circular product right yeah to a, a cabinet that is a, a big thing and all all in between and we need to find certain assets that we can use to to make everything feel like ericsson right mm -hmm. So we are, of course, very proud of being able to create that. But in that portfolio, we definitely have some favorites. And we have also actually won quite a few design awards for our products as well. Yeah, there are plenty of examples. I like the dots a lot, I would say, because I think they are so... You see this, these things are placed very close to humans. and. Yep. That's why are, they are so detailed and they are so delicately done, so to speak. Mm. Mm. Not, the, not the one for stadium. That was very hard core. Not uh, delicate at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is there any particular dot that you like? Let's not go down that road, please. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Or maybe that's another cover for something yeah. that we have done. But I mean, you like the latest one you have been involved in, of course. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Can you say which I, one I that think, you've been involved uh, in recently? I can mention a, a couple uh, 
now, if you are familiar with the numbers of them, I mean, Radio 4480, our latest remote radio, I think is really nice because there we have worked hard together the teams of different competences and come to a solution that breaks the norm a little bit of how a radio should look. You might think that it looks a bit strange because it exposes the heat sink much more than previously. But there is a technical reason for that because we need to have the yeah. airflow in a certain way. And just so but it also everyone out that- there, if you want to have a look at it, you can just Google Ericsson Radio 4480 and you can see it's a, it's a stripey product. It's like a suitcase. No, f- size. Sorry, four four ninety. Did I say eighty? Four four ninety. Sorry. Oh. Yeah. But uh, what? So what you're describing is like a, a, the radio equivalent of the Pompidou building with all of the things on the outside. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, some yeah, uh, yeah. That's a brutalist <laughs> thing. There are some yeah. resemblances actually, but yeah, we're not going all the way like that. But man, I mean, in this, if you have like a thermal model that we need to make, the heatsink, for example, a new innovative idea of a heatsink, that drives design form and, and like these technical necessities yeah. makes us, okay, and then we can't make the radio like we used to, like a square yeah. box. We need to open it up. Okay, maybe we can try and make it super thin and light instead, looking light and thin which we did there. Another light and thin product coming now is the 3268 Air product. I think it's 12 kilo Air radio. It's really super light, super thin. And it's a great step forward when it comes to weight and size on on a mid-band 5G antenna. And that one is quite uh, flat, I would say, in front, but it's got more of a striped back, that one. And and, uh, I mean... that makes it possible maybe for an installer to carry two of these through the, the, the woods to the tower or something like that. So you can, yeah, instead of having two uh, people carrying one antenna, you can have one person carrying two or something like that. So that, this is a great step forward. Yeah. Cool. I think that's a good conclusion of this. Some awesome work that you've done then. I mean, this is uh, something that it wasn't around when I started, Ericsson. Then everything was in sort of like rack somewhere mm. hidden. And this has been a <laughs> big change that you can actually see the product now being carried like suitcases around or like dogs. <laughs> That's true. But we still actually do rack products as well. And we are designing those yes. also. So of it's course. quite, oh, yeah. quite intricately, yeah. actually. And the cabinets that house them. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Amazing stuff. So we talked to about radio spotting. When, when you go around the town, do you radio spot? Do you say like, Oh, look, there's one of mine. Yeah. I would yeah. Say that. <laughs> you, you always do that, yeah. for sure. And that, that's like a sickness when you start at Ericsson. It takes two weeks and then you start radio spotting, right? Oh, goodness. Nice to be in good company, then. <laughs> yeah. All. Yeah. So if anyone's yeah. listening, we want to hear if you see a radio 4490 out in the field. Send us pictures. What you say? Send us pictures if you particularly like any of their design for their team's designs. How about that? And thank you so much for being on the podcast. Morten Skoger and uh, Andreas Sefström from the design industrial design team. And thanks for listening. Thank you, Jan. Thanks for having us. Thanks.
that was the interview with Andreas and Morten talking about the industrial design. And of course, if you want to see the products that they were mentioning, the radio dots, different types of radio dots and different types of air, Ericsson antenna, integrated radios and other hardware, come and visit us at Mobile World Congress. Right, Paul? You're going to be there. I'm going to be at Mobile World Congress, but it has to say, do you have to be uh, like an Ericsson customer or contact to be able to get into the booth around? But there is information on a lot of things on our website, so you can go in there and search for air or radio 4490. Yes. Was it 4480 or 4490 or was it both? Well, go on. Look up both of those. Just Google for them. Yes. Yes. And of course, the radio dot system, not forgetting that. Indeed. And if you've got a spare moment, then I recommend going to the red dot award site, which I think is red dot dot org, and look at some of the other products which have won design awards. Because, of course, there's lots of interesting products out in the world which get celebrated for being good design. And just so that everyone aware, it's a complete happenstance, random happenstance that the award is called Red Dot and our product is called the Radio Dot. It's not not linked in any way. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And bye. Bye. Remember to like, comment, subscribe. If you like this podcast, it really helps. We have a great team of people we're working with, but when it comes down to it, a lot of work is done by us too. And we weren't hired to do podcasting, Paul. We're not. I'm not getting paid for this. (laughs) (laughs) So please, if you want us to continue, give us some good reviews and recommend us to your colleagues. And if you want to contact us, email is best. And which email is it, Paul? 5G podcast at ericsson.com. Ah, you're so great. And, you know, out there, we love your suggestions and feedback. So please reach out to us. Ericsson is a Swedish multinational networking and telecommunications company started in 1876 and headquartered in Schiester, just outside Stockholm. We sell infrastructure, software and services in the information and communications technology for telecommunications service providers and enterprises, including, among others, 3G, 4G and 5G equipment and IP and optical transport systems. We employ around 100,000 people and operate in more than 180 countries worldwide. Ericsson has over 57,000 granted patents and has been a major contributor to the development of the telecommunications industry and is one of the leaders in 5G.